John LeBon here with impromptu chat number nine. This is part two of a two-part upload. Originally broadcast live on November 2, 2016, I'm releasing it now in MP3 format, as is my custom with impromptu chats. Today is November 4, 2016, two days after the show was originally broadcast live. This show has been divided into two parts for two reasons. One, three hours is, in my opinion, a little bit on the long side for a podcast, especially one featuring a range of concepts and ideas which each deserve full attention of the listener. And two, the final third of the show, which you're about to listen to, goes in a very different direction to what came before. I suggest that, for the sake of context, you listen to part one before listening to part two. Although of a different focus, the final third of the show builds upon the first. We'll pick it up from the point where Cathexis joins the conversation. Already with me are Tim Osman and Adam Moyer. As always, I recommend you listen with an open mind, but a critical mind. Of course, by critical, I don't mean negative or cynical. A critical mind is one which employs the critical thinking faculties in its possession to properly understand, consider, and scrutinize the ideas and information with which it is being presented. Note that there are one or two minor technical difficulties caused by the use of Google Hangouts. I've done my best to iron those out in post-production, so they should be barely noticeable. And, as you'll hear for yourself, all four panel members enjoy the discussion, and naturally, I hope that you do too. So let's get to it. We have been joined for the final section of the show by uh, somebody I don't think I've actually spoken with before. It's Cathexis. Uh, Cathexis, are we coming in loud and clear? Yes, I hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? Yeah, but not very loud. You might want to get closer to your microphone there. Let's uh, try again. Two, two, one, two. It should come through. It, for some reason, it's low at first, but then it comes through. All right. Well, just make sure you speak nice and loud for the benefit of the audience. So am I pronouncing that name correctly? Cathexis. Uh, Cathexis. Cathexis. All right, great. Well, I'd imagine that you've got the link there from, uh, from Tim. So do you want to tell us yeah. a little bit about who you are? And your thoughts on the show so far? Uh, well, actually, I've, I've missed um, up until the past 30 minutes or so. Uh, Tim invited me. Uh, I've been wanting to speak to you about a couple of things uh, concerning, you know, your kind of return to YouTube and whatnot. I, mean, I have spoken with you through comments, but not actually, you know, on a hangout or anything like that. Uh, but the, the, the whole reason I want to come on is to kind of provide perhaps a different perspective on this. I have caught the past 20 minutes and, you know, I'm getting a good grasp of, you know, what the show's about, what you guys uh, were discussing. What I call myself is a, a flat earth apologist. I'm not a flat earther. I, I don't know the shape and size of this, this earth that we're on. But I think that the questions that this new resurgence of the idea, the questions that it makes one ask is well worth asking. And I'm I, I'm 35 years old. I'm college educated, a four-year degree, you know, about 12 years ago at USF in philosophy. So it's not a technical, like a uh, you know, like a physics degree or anything like that. But these are what I found shocking to me is as I went down this path, as we all similarly did to look into this topic over the past two and a half years. I was shocked that I had never asked if I was moving or if it was those things moving in the sky. I was shocked that I hadn't tried to find, you know, these simple things about heliocentricity that we're told that we just accept as a belief system. 
So my whole argument is that I think this is a healthy thing. Now, take the charlatans and the money makers aside. I think that this resurgence has been extraordinarily beneficial to myself to, and, and well, to everybody who, who comes in contact with it. They learn more about the modern system, the heliocentric system. They learn about geocentricity. They learn about every single facet of what you have to ask in order to figure this out for yourself. So I see it as a net positive, a net benefit. And I, I, I don't know. I just think that, I mean, I can understand your perspective. You guys have been in it for quite a long time. You feel that this is a deception of some kind, um, even though that's kind of amorphous. I'm not sure how you can nail that down. But that aside, I, I, you seem to have like a negative con connotation to this. And for me, I, I think that it's, it's perfectly healthy. Actually, it's probably the, the most healthy thing I've seen pop up in a long time. Kathesis, I've got a sneaking suspicion that you and I are going to get along very well. Uh, my perspective, I should just make this clear. For me, has this flat earthing been beneficial? Yes, significantly so, because I actually went and read the books. I went and studied the material. I spent the time thinking and being honest with myself. And it's led me down paths where some of the things that I now know and some of the things that I now disbelieve are so far beyond flat earth, it is not even funny. I've, I've barely released a fraction of the material that I've got ready to go based on the research that I've done, not much better for it. But I was one of the ones who went and did the research, Cathesis, and it sounds like you're an intelligent person. You've probably done the same thing. There are a lot of people who have no interest in doing that. They will hear someone say something and they'll repeat it. If they like the person saying something, They'll repeat it. Most of us know people in our lives who are like that. Well, guess what? A lot of these flat earth believers, that's how they are. So whereas it's a net benefit for me to go, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't. I don't have any proof that we're spinning. Better go and double check that there is evidence and it leads me down a path of actual discovery. Yes, there's people like me. There's people like you, Cathexis. But there are significantly more people out there who are just like, oh, well, these people are my friends now. And they say blah, blah, blah. They go and repeat it to their friends and family. Next thing you know, they've got even less friends than they had to begin with. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, with anything, you are always going to have 80 to 90% of people who are just believers and followers. I mean, there's never going to be a way to get rid of that factor. That's a human issue. So when I see it, sure, it, it, you know, when it does happen, and we don't know the specifics of, you know, these particular issues. Like Tim likes to mention a girl who sold her house and, drove around the, you know, the country telling people about Flat Earth. Well, I actually talked to her a little bit more, and she was already selling her house, and they, were already, they already bought land in Portland. It wasn't like she abandoned her life to go do some ridiculous thing because of Flat Earth. She just kind of added it in there, and she wanted to go spread the word in her eyes. Now, she was a true believer. I mean, true believer. She had no idea why she believed what she believed. But you can't, you can't expect more from... If you take people for what you're, what they're worth, you, you'll never be disappointed. So, you know, you kind of have to keep that in consideration. Most folks are believers. And you're right. If this is a deception, if this is the wrong information, I get that. We should fight that. But to attack a group in, in mass and whole, I, I just don't think it does the benefits any justice, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, I look, it's just attacking people, sure. That What's the benefit in that? I'm not so sure that myself, Tim, or Adam on this show so far have 
attacked anyone as a whole. I think we've done actually quite the opposite. We've said we are just like those people. I mean, the people who are currently deceived by their favorite YouTube leaders or by a certain belief system, we've been in that situation. I was in that situation a couple of years ago where there was a person on YouTube who I thought was there for good reasons and good intentions. And even though I could see some problems in some of what he said, I wanted to believe that he was like me, that he was here for good reasons. And so I allowed myself to believe for too long. Fortunately, with no significant negative consequences, and I'm, I'm much better for it all now, but I know what it's like to be deceived by someone on YouTube, to think that they're on the same team as you and to think that they're your friend and all the rest of it. And so I know what that's like. And Tim and Adam have both shared their stories today. They know what that's like. So rather than attacking these believers, we're saying, no, no, we're, we're all humans. We're all susceptible to it. Let us share our stories. And hopefully you can see that this is just part of being human. You can learn from it. You can improve from it. I'm not really sure that your characterization of us attacking the whole group Oh, I'm not really sure that that's. Fair. I didn't mean no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't mean to imply that in any way. Honestly, like I said, I haven't heard but the past thirty minutes, and I just understand your perspective and where you're coming from. You know, you've also been dug into this this whole community, quote unquote, for quite a long time. I mean, you were really the one who spurred it in a very large regard, and I give you that credit completely for the good. You know, in in a very good regard. But you know, one thing I always go back to it's called Hanlon's Razor. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity or ignorance. So when I look at the folks who are deceivers, quote unquote, or who are deceiving people, I don't really, a a very, very large part of me just thinks they're mistaken, they're stupid, or they're ignorant. And I've been in that position before too. So, you know, I I think that we, we should... Well, for me personally, that's that's what I've I've done to view these people. Like, I don't think, I don't know, I don't want to argue the merits of each and every case, but you know, like for me, I look at somebody like Jaron, and I don't see uh, deception, intentful deception, personally. Now, I can't speak about other situations. Like you guys know them know them much more, but I don't consider him deceiving on purpose or really anybody doing that. I think that if there is a error it's through stupidity ignorance or just simply making a mistake well i was originally planning for this to be a two-hour show but with the present panel assembled i'd love to go one more hour and uh really delve into some of these topics so we'll just make sure the other panel members are up for go to that. overdrive john Lebon overdrive john <laughs> jlb overdrive so Tim, are, you, are you cool to stick around for another hour oh, oh yeah yeah absolutely man i'm game we're good Sweet. So what I'll do is when we get to 10 minutes left to go, I'll, um, I'll wrap it up and give everyone a chance for their final thoughts and I'll try and space the show out between now and then because three hours is pretty much the maximum anyone wants to listen to a podcast and I'll be uploading this as a MP3 after the show. So we've got about 45 minutes now for a discussion. So let's get right into it. I don't know, uh, Adam, have you had a chance to speak with uh, Cathesis before? Or is this your first interaction? Um, I believe there were a few common exchanges, um, not positive, but the name definitely... Uh, sounds familiar to me, but I would like to hit on something he said about Jaron, about how he doesn't think that he purposely is deceiving people. And um, I, I, I get where you're coming from, but when he has information that goes against what he's saying and he purposely does not release that information because he's afraid that it will hurt his base, his, you know, his donations, that, that is purposely deceiving people. And it's like, that's why I always gave credit to John, because 
even though he had a base, people were listening to the, listening to him, especially after the Baller Skeptic show, he was never afraid to then turn around and say, okay, well, here's another side of the story, and now I'm going to release this guy's experiment, even if it doesn't agree with all my subscribers, because I think it's healthy for them to hear this. And that's why I always respected him in that sense. And that is something that Jaron will not do. And to me, that is deceitful. Well, with all due respect, I, I am not aware of what circumstances you're talking about with Jaron. What do you, what information is he not giving out on purpose that you know of? What, what do you, dude, like, I mean, about 80% of the stuff that he talks about, he'll leave out uh, different key points and different things that, will go against what he's saying, a lot of the, a lot of the balloon experiments, uh, a lot of the things were, that he was doing with his wife where they were doing the laser experiments. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, if you want specifics, I'll go back and re-watch some of his videos because it's been a... No, know, it's a, fine. I, I thought you were talking about a, a specific thing. Apologies. I, I, I mean, no, it's, it's, like, it's more of a, like, a whole. I mean, because I know that he has access to different different research that goes against some of the things that he brings up and topics he discusses and he just chooses to ignore it that's all i'm saying and i find that when you ignore something because you're afraid it's going to go against your bottom line so to speak i find that deceitful and that you know that's pretty much what i'm saying i agree well, yeah, if I can seems- if I can paraphrase the criticism here for you uh is the, the idea here is that once you build up an audience if you go against what makes that audience feel good, you jeopardize your own income stream and potentially your audience altogether. So there's this notion that a lot of these flat earthers, yeah, they'll occasionally broach other topics as well, such as that, you know, Hampstead child sex case that Jane looked into. Sure, they'll cover a few other things and they'll tell you that flat earth leads to all other conspiracies, okay, whatever. But the reality is that the vast majority of their content and of their audience is flat earth focused. The notion is that if they were in possession of or if they were to come into possession of evidence that went against Flat Earth, that it goes, it's against their interests, their financial or, or other interests to actually focus on or release that information. And this is a criticism that's made against them. I think it's a fair criticism, actually, if, if they've staked their entire audience on one topic. This isn't even so much saying a criticism as in saying that they're bad people. This is just looking at it logically. They're less likely to release that information, aren't they? Absolutely. No, no, I agree. I mean, that's a human issue. You know, you could say that with uh, along many subject lines. So, I I mean, I agree. I agree as a a possibility for sure. And then we do have instances that have been documented where some of these leading flat earth proponents have literally contradicted themselves live on the air. I'll give you one example. It wasn't so long ago that David Weiss was saying that there were no southern flights between Australia and South America. And he even said, and I know this because I was on the show live with him, I was the one who asked him the question, if these flights are proven to exist between Australia and South America, would that be a problem for flat earth belief? He said it definitely would. In fact, he used a number of uh, phraseologies for it. He said it would kill the flat earth, it would end the flat earth, a whole bunch of things like this, and I'm paraphrasing. Well, then, uh, not so long thereafter, maybe what was it, less than a year, he's having a, a chat on Globebusters with Max Egan, who says that he took the flight from Australia to South America. Now, what David should have said was, well, that, that goes against what I said. I was wrong. You know what he said? That that proves the flat earth. So the very flight that did not exist that was proof of flat earth instantly became proof of flat earth when it did exist. 
this is a complete and obvious and blatant contradiction. Is it possible that one of the reasons why people can be proven to have contradicted themselves, won't admit to it, will pretend it never happened, is it possibly because they are involved in an intentional deception? That's a fair question. You know, like I said, but, you know, with this, I always go back to that razor, Hanlon's razor. You know, never attribute to malice what's easily explained by stupidity. But people no, I hate to interrupt you. I promise, I oh, promise not joke. to interrupt you too much. But, but this um, Hanlon's razor, don't attribute to malice what can be put down to accident or whatever the terminology is. The people, who benefit, yeah. the people who benefit most from that are the malicious. Because every time they do something malicious, they've got a whole bunch of people going around going, Oh, no, it might not have been malicious. It might have been an accident. Well, how many times do these people have to be shown to have contradicted themselves, to have made blatantly false claims that can be shown to be false empirically? How many times do they have to do that before instead of assuming good intentions, you start to genuinely question their intentions? No, I agree with that. No, that's definitely it. It's not something I go by every time. But, you know, I, I tend to go there first. I give people a tremendous benefit of the doubt. But like I said, you've been involved with this a lot longer than I have. A good year, probably, in this particular, you know, the heliocentric thing. Because I only came in about a year and a couple months back. So I can understand where you're coming from. You, you have kind of a history with these folks, and you've, you've made other observations that I haven't. So I can't dispute it. And I'm not really here to defend them or argue for them in any way. I was just kind of giving you my perspective on it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, um, what we'll do is we've only got, we haven't got too much longer left in the show. Is there anything, since you're the, the newcomer to the panel, is there any particular aspect of all of this that you wanted to talk about, Cathesis, where we can go around the round table and have a bit of a broader chat? Because it's not, it's not your place to have to defend the leading flat earth proponents, and I don't mean to make you do that. Is there any other aspect of, of the broader topic that you wanted to touch on while you were here? Well, I mean, I, I was just kind of wanting to bring a more positive perspective to what this is. I mean, I, 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 the, the amount that you've learned, the amount that I've learned is, I mean, literally, I've, I've read more books and I've learned more in the past year than I had in the prior 10 since I got out of college, okay? Uh, I really did the work. I, I, I came in here and did the best I could to figure out if this were possibly true or not. Now, the thing is, I found tons of very, very important information concerning heliocentricity and it not being <laughs> the way it is. Like, it's a great observational system in order to uh, uh, match up observations. I mean, it, it's it's predictable and you're able to, to you know, predict eclipses, etc. But it doesn't necessarily mean it is reality. And a lot of people get stuck in this idea that they're living in a model when it's really not necessarily that way. I, I know that you have a lot of criticisms for heliocentricity and Cavendish experiment, which, by the way, I listened to that finally the other day. Very good job over at Reds. You made Reds and Atheist Rex rage quit, basically. But anyways, um, so I have a lot of criticisms uh, for the, the system itself. And I, I just think that no matter if there are people deceiving and no matter if there is wrong information, it's up to the individual to to find that out and to make sure for themselves. And if a person's incapable of that, well, that's not on you, John. I, I agree with you about I mean? that, mate. I, I agree with you about that. And this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel, and I've said this before, my, my The Baller Skeptic show, I, could, I didn't know at the time. I was more naive at the time. I didn't realize how many people would listen to me say, here's a problem with the official model. Here's a problem with the flat earth model. And then 
remember only the criticisms yep. of the official model. I didn't know at the time as much as I do now about how the human mind works and especially how crowds work. I just didn't understand then. So I felt a certain responsibility to rectify that by releasing a number of videos, not just debunking the flat earth belief system, but outright mocking it, taking the piss out of these people. And I enjoyed it. Yes. I'll be quite honest. I enjoyed it. Some of those videos that did stir people up, they were very enjoyable to release. I'd go to bed at like two o'clock in the morning, have to wake up at seven for work, check the YouTube, see that there'd been a whole bunch of YouTubers getting their panties in a twist. And I found that funny. Okay. I did that because I felt it was my responsibility to fix up some of the unintended consequences of my show. Right. I've now done enough. I'm at the stage and we were talking about this just before. I can't stop these people. You know, if someone wants to give money to Dan Pratt, not only can I not stop them, why would I stop them? They're going to waste their money. Anyway, these people are retards. It doesn't matter, okay? So I'm happy to leave them be. But the chat that we've been having so far today, it's been along the lines of, okay, some of them are hopeless, but some of them are just naive people who've been sucked in. We've been those naive people. There is a distinction between the two groups. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's important. And I, you know, I agree with you when you say, uh, in part, like, we, you know, we've learned more in this last year because of Flat Earth that had you researching other things, had you researching the, the place we live on and stand on and the air we breathe, and you're learning more about that than you ever did in school growing up because of this. And I agree in part with what you're saying when, when you say that. But also the, the, the flip side to that is this. When you become hopelessly addicted, in a sense, to that belief and to that community, okay, and then you are therefore not doing anything else productive because of that, that is where we're trying to step in and say, okay, you know, let's move on here. Like, honestly, in part, I can't believe, and I don't mind it, but I can't believe that Flat Earth is still being talked about, that people still are hopping on to this and, and saying, oh, you know, it emotionally and spiritually awakened me and changed my life. Uh, to me, I find that insane. I mean, insane that when there's so much evidence now, I, I can't get on a rocket ship and, and fly up to space or whatever you want to call it and, and tell you exactly what it is we're on. But what I can tell you is that there is a lot more logical evidence and a lot more real math and science behind this spinning ball than there is for flat Earth. That I can definitely say without question. I can't tell you for 110% exactly what we live on, but what I can say without question, that there is a lot more real evidence that has real science and real math behind it, that we live on a spinning ball than there is one iota of that type of evidence for flat earth. Flat earth evidence is mostly 99.9%. I feel this. I feel that. I believe this. I believe that. And rink-a-dink uh, science experiments that have you know, no baseline to them, no secondary team of people that are independent, checking your research there's just no and that you know that's where i that's where i start to get upset adam, and I adam did you to. just say adam did you just say there's evidence that we're on a spinning ball he yes, did no, yes, there is, there's more evidence that we are on a spinning ball than there is for flat earth now i'm not saying that that evidence is 100 percent accurate i'm just saying there's more stuff that you can check 
for that than there is. Looks like we've got ourselves a little tag team to finish off this one. We've got Tim and Adam, the spinning ballers, versus Capitis and myself. No, that, no, that, listen, hey. what I'm going to do is I'm going to shut up and let, if, if Tim and Adam think there's any evidence that we're spinning, I wasn't planning for this show to be one of those, we live on this, we live on that. I'm, I'm more interested in the, in the meta conversation. But if, if there's two people here who still think that we're spinning versus two people who no longer do, this could be a very interesting, polite and rewarding conversation. So why don't you kick us off there, Adam and Tim? What evidence, hold on, let me rephrase this without loading the question. What evidence have you seen that makes you think that we're spinning. Go ahead, Tim. You can start it off. You're the one that always you, you had. <laughs> well, he's he's Tim putting us he's putting us he, he's putting us in a false dichotomy here because it's either it's either one or the other. Is it not, John? Is it is it the well, earth is spinning moving or, or the not. the heavens are moving? So really, the question is at that point. What I mean, I guess the transit of Venus, um, I'm not going to say any kind of pendulum because that's nonsense. So any kind of proof that the globe has, I'm not going to tell you because you already know, John. But Coriolis, <laughs> Tim, but Coriolis. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of Coriolis. people that even dispute that effect. I mean, I, I've heard people uh, go into long detail on how the Coriolis effect is you know that it's not real and then i've watched well, the, a lot of other evidence that shows earth, that, it, that it is so i mean the earth gets you know. its uh its magnet uh its magnetism from uh basically the molten iron at the core and it's it's like four thousand degrees past the curie point where no magnetism happens but because of gravity and the coriolis effect we have basically magnetism on the earth yeah, well, I would say that uh, one of the one piece of evidence that you could look at is that, you know, the electromagnetic field that, you know, supposedly is there that protects our planet is created by the spinning of the whatever you want to call it, magma at the core of our planet. And that spinning hot liquid therefore then creates that effect because it's, you know. Yeah, but so. unfortunately, Adam, the next thing that they're going to say is, where's your evidence for that? We've only been eight miles down. And, and really, <laughs> it, it, it is true, dude. I know it is that. true. Yeah, we've only, it's How the hell do we know? Miles in Russia, eight point like six, I think it is. And I, and I know that. I, I am not saying that I have proof that the earth is a spinning ball. What I meant, what I was saying is that there is more logical experiments, things that you can see with real math and science behind it that will show you that the possibility of us living on a spinning ball, the official heliocentric model, is stronger than the so-called evidence that the Earth is still flat, not moving, you know, that, so to speak. I'll tell you what, so, so, so that we're all on the same page, let me just bring up, this is an article from my site, <laughs> johnthebond.com. It's entitled 37 Things Normies Believe. Can you guys all see that? Yeah, nice. All right, yeah. 37 Things Normies Believe. This is johnlebon.com. That's J-O-H-N-L-E-B-O-N.com, Tim. Now, 37 Things Normies Believe. Let's just go through the 10 that I've listed for Earth and Life. And for each of these, just a quick yes or no, uh, or if you need to, a more in-depth answer to each of the 10, just so we know where each person on this panel sits. So that way, when we're having a discussion, we, like we're not arguing past one another. So mm -hmm. on, this, on this list of 37 items, the first one is, humans evolved over many millions of years 
from simpler species. We'll go in alphabetical order. So we'll go to Adam, Cathexis, myself, and then Tim. So Adam, do you believe each of these claims is made in the positive? So do you agree or disagree? Humans evolved over many millions of years from simpler species. Oh, man. Such a... Uh, I would say yes. I would say that no. We weren't, I, I, we weren't just dropped here. Yeah, and so what, what I mean is do you believe it? Not as in, okay, you, if you say yes, you have to prove it. If you say no, you have to prove the opposite. I just mean do you, in your mind, when you lead your life, do you live as though this is something that's true? Do you believe it? That's what I mean. So... Uh, Adam says no, Cathexis, sorry, Adam says yes, Cathexis says no, Where? Oh, my answer is no, I definitely don't believe that. Where do you sit, Tim? Um, not likely. Okay, hold on, how do you, when you're in Firefox, how do you zoom in? Is it shift plus? Is it control, control. plus? Here we control. go. And Beautiful. mouse right. wheel. Sweet, so there we go. So, all right, number two, physical matter is mostly empty space, including our own bodies, Adam. Mm, no. I had once believed that, but it's up for debate now. My answer is, because I'm the moderator, it makes sense if I go last. So we'll go Adam, Cathesis, Tim, then myself. But for this one, my answer is no. This is, a, this is of course, atomic theory. I no longer believe uh, atomic theory is anything other than a theory. Tim? Orbits. I can't get back behind orbits. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no. Um Mostly because I thought for a long time that we could actually see the atom. Like we could see all the electrons and, and you know, all that shit you know, going on. It's funny on. you say that, man. Even in chemistry, because I took chemistry and physics in high school, right? In senior high school. I remember thinking to myself, because we had photos of uh, the atom. I remember thinking to myself, how can we see it with an electron microscope? How do they get the electron? Like, I remember thinking about this stuff. But you just go with it, don't you? You just go with it. It's not until many years later, whereas Cathesis has identified, where you start questioning things again, you go back and revisit this stuff. So just recapping there, it sounds like none of us believe in that one anymore. All right, number three. There are about 7 billion humans alive today and the Earth is overpopulated. Adam, yes or no? Uh, yes, yes. I believe the Earth is overpopulated. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say no to both of those claims. I don't even think it's 7.5 billion. Tim? I'm going to say yes to one. Uh, I believe there is probably around 7 billion and definitely, definitely not over, even close to overpopulated. No. Wow. Not the, even close. See, Tim, you, I'd imagine you've, because you've done so much traveling across the US, you've seen how many vast open spaces there are. Yes. And it's the same with me in between Brisbane and Melbourne. There's so much space out there. It's crazy. But can I ask you, Tim, just quickly, what leads you to believe there's 7 billion people? Uh, I'm not going to, I don't, I guess in that, I, I don't believe that there was literally um, a person, like a census person that walked up, you know, uh, and, and tabulated all this, you know, um, but I would have to imagine that, you know, most countries ha have some idea or grasp on how many people are in each city and, and such. So I would have to say it's, it's probably at least over 4 billion, but really I'm, I, I have to admit I'm basing this on absolutely nothing. I've, I've never, I've only really been all around. You. They did, man. <laughs> well, I, I think that's something we can all say. We've hopefully all got some more humility where when someone challenges with something like this, we're like, 
Well, yeah, I, I guess I believe it, but I've never really thought about it. I find it a lot easier to say that now than I did two years ago. These days when someone challenges me on something, I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. I, I don't actually know. You know, it's a lot easier to do that now. That's another benefit of the whole flat earth thing. It's, I think it's taught me a certain humility, which funnily enough, most flat earth believers have gone the other way. But anyway, we'll leave that for now. So number four, earth is a gigantic spinning ball hurtling through the infinite vastness of space. Adam. Oh, man. I, n- no, I mean, I haven't seen anything definitive yet to prove that to me 110%. So I'm going to say. Ah, see? Wait, wait, so you're a flat earther? <laughs> no, Holy no, I'm not a flat earther. I just don't, I haven't <laughs> seen enough evidence to prove to me that we're a spinning ball moving through the vastness of space. I've seen more evidence for that than I have for flat earth, but nothing definitive. Nothing. Yeah, they make a lot. They make guaranteed. a lot more pretty movies in Hollywood than we do on YouTube. You've got that one. All right. So, Kafik says you don't believe this one. Tim, no, are no, you no. going to say that you, for the purpose of how you live your life, that you believe Earth is a gigantic spinning ball hurtling through space, the infinite vastness of space? <laughs> uh, for the majority of it, yeah, I do. He, lo- I, he I, loves. I definitely space. do. Yeah. Space. Too much Star Trek. All right. Number five. Humans have sent objects <laughs> into space and even walked upon the face of the moon. Adam. Oh, wow. Um, man, this is something we debate all the time. I am going to say no. I have a caveat to mine. Oh, go on. Adam, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? No, you're good, bro. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. There's kind of a caveat to mine. Um, I don't think humans have been higher than about 400 miles up, maybe even the Carmen line, uh, just through my research. It, you take the moon landings off the table, and what you're left with is no, no human has gone that high. So I believe that they have most likely sent machines past that point, that 100 to 400-mile point. They, be, they, they call it the beginning of space. But I have no idea. I have no proof of that. But I would think, I would imagine that they would at least be putting unmanned vehicles out there to the furthest reaches they can. But so you, hold on. So you in, actually think, you think they've put like a Mars rover or a, a moon buggy up there or something? No, 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 not at all. Let me clarify. I mean, some type of, of non-public uh, uh, exploratory devices in order to find out. I don't think space is what they're telling us. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, so that's what I whatever saying. it is, yeah, whatever it is, I'm not sure, but I don't, I, I know for a fact no human has been higher than 400 miles up. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're kind of like one of those, they might have advanced technology sort of things. Like maybe humans have sent things, but we. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a secondary set of sciences that exist in this world. And that's Absolutely. what's being suppressed. And I, I think that it's probably an energetic thing. We can go down the line, you know, with the. Uh, Tesla Schauber, you know, all of the, you can go that angle. I'm not saying that for sure, but I Don't think that the Tesla. reason why we're stuck, I know he's so anti-Tesla. No, I, I think the reason why we're stuck in 1950s technology still in 2016 for a lot, like our vehicles, we're, you know, we're just now getting to, it's, it's strange. Well, I'll just put it that way. Like where we are now, you think we'd be much, much further along. I think they're suppressing technology pretty heavily and they're just kind of showing us big rockets and, you know, fire engines and anyways um yeah so i don't think that there's real space the way they tell us but i'm pretty sure they're trying to explore whatever it is just in some way that 
they're not telling us. Mm. No, hey, real quick. We'll, we'll come, real we'll come back to that. But uh, just, just quickly, uh, Tim, we'll get your answer on this one, then we'll move on. We'll try and get through the 10, then we can come back and round it out. So, Tim, humans have sent object into space. Please don't break my heart here, Tim. Man did not walk <laughs> on the moon. Come on. <laughs> um, well, I guess space is debatable, but there are definitely things like the ISS up there. I'm not saying that there are humans on it. I don't have any proof of that, but... Uh, there are obviously some geocentric satellites and some satellites up there. So those are, seem to be true. And the moon landing, uh, it's kind of a toss-up to me, truthfully, because I watch conspiracy videos about it, and a lot of things are misleading and untruthful. And then you watch people uh, that have you know, debunk it or you watch original film with um, a lot more than you're seeing with the conspiracy films, uh, it starts to make me question because it seems like cherry picked shit. I'm, I'm sorry to hear to that, Tim. Look. I'm sorry to, I'm I sorry to hear that you, but, but I'll let you redeem yourself. If you can tell me, <laughs> if you can tell me who said this back in the 1960s, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. <laughs> That'd be my man, my main man, Kennedy, dude, you know, he was, dude, he was, he was exposing the Illuminati. You know that, bro. Oh yeah. He gave the speech of the new world order and they knocked him off. Secrecy's repugnant. (laughs) Secrecy's repugnant. All right. We're we're halfway there. Okay. So uh, we'll make it uh, short. Yes or no answers, unless you've got something very uh, important to add to it. Mm -hmm. Number six, intelligent life likely exists on other planets such as the red dot we sometimes see in the night sky, that red dot being Mars. Do you believe intelligent life likely exists on other planets, Adam? Wow. Um, I, you know, it's kind of a double answer. If, if the vastness of space actually was what they tell us it is, I would say yes, because, I mean, it's just so much out there if it was what they told us it was that I would think, you know, I would leave, lead to believe that there would be a strong possibility. But um, I'm on the other side, I would say no, because I have not been proven that any of that shit is real. So I would lean more towards no than yes, if that makes any sense. Cathesis. No, I, I, I don't think that that's possible. Tim? I think it's a high, high probability, high probability if what we are prescribed is true just kind of like Adam. Otherwise, if it's, you know, if we're in an ant farm like the Flat Earthers want us to be in, then probably not. You know, Did you it... grow up watching X-Files per chance? Fuck Tim? yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You know, yeah, me too. If it was me what too. they told like us, if it was what they told us, then the whole Fermi's paradox would come into play and we'd still never know, ever. Like, it would be too vast, too advanced, yep. you know, like... The postulations are absurd, and this whole infinite universe model is just, yeah. You know, that's another topic. Well, go on, John. So. Do you know, like I said, I took chemistry and physics in senior high school. I remember us being taught about this special number. Now, I keep confusing if it was Avogadro or the other one, but it was this number where what they do is they multiply a whole bunch of unknowns, and they come up with the probability that there is alien life out there as being above 50%. So if you take six or seven variables such as how many planets how many for uh, intelligent life, how long the average civilization would live, all of these unknown variables, and multiply them all together, they come up with a number that's supposedly alien life, right? 
This is actually what is taught in science classes. And I know because I took them, maybe not all science classes, but obviously enough. And then they reinforce it through the mainstream media, through shows like the Big Bang Theory and all this other crap where they'll just mention this kind of thing every now and then. And people believe it. They believe that you can determine, that scientists have determined that it is likely that there's human life out that there's intelligent life out there based on this number. I think it's Avogadro's number. I might no, be no, it with another one. That, it is likely, John. It absolutely is likely. It, now, is it proven? No, but it is likely. But it's not likely sure. because there are a whole bunch oh. of unknown variables and the facts of the matter remain. Dude, what we have to see is our solar system. So there's, what, seven planets, eight planets, and one of them has life, and we have one sun, and there's supposedly billions of suns out there with other planets on them. I mean, it's very highly likely that there is life. I still yeah, like it, Tim. I still think you're a cool guy, but boy, oh boy, are you lowering your colors here. All right, we're going to number seven. <laughs> A variety of lizard bird creatures dominated the Earth's landscape millions of years ago. Adam? Absolutely fucking not. Cathesis? Right there with him. Absolutely not. Come on, Tim. Redeem yourself. I believe they're true, man. <laughs> you do not. You just fucking... The, a troll no, is true. what a do. troll does. Come I on, do. this is just silly. Dude, there's so many archaeologists, I doubt that they're just, like, planting it and stuff like that. It's just, I, it's just too far-fetched for me. Well, Tim, I've got a documentary coming up in uh, later in December of this year, myself and Lucas, we're taking a trip out to the middle of Australia to expose the shenanigans and the nonsense of the dinosaur industry in this country. It'll be a terrific documentary. You can be able to access uh, all of the footage as we're going along. Every member of JLB.com gets access as we're doing it in pre and mid production. So make sure you tune in for that. By January next year, you will not believe in dinosaurs anymore. Don't hate me. You'll move on. You'll get over it. You'll. John, John I'm still waiting oh, for the, the upper portion of the hoax triangle, man. I'm still waiting on that. It's, dude. Firstly, it's not a hoax triangle; it's a hoax hierarchy. Okay, we use we use alliteration because people remember things better. And uh, just go to johnlebon.com. There's a page called Hoax Hierarchy. Check it out; you might be surprised. But anyway, uh, lizard bird creatures 66 million years ago. Yeah, I don't think so. So number eight. Once they died, these lizard birds eventually turned into the oil, which is now extracted from the earth for fuel. The only one this applies to is Tim. So come on, do you believe this one as well? You think you're paying a uh, dollar thirty a litre for petrol, or whatever you guys pay for your gallons of, of fuel, because it came from uh, dead lizards? No, I don't think it's uh, purported to be a hundred percent from dead lizards. I think it's like uh, de- you know decomposing it's uh, mineral, material. man. It's but I've heard it's, it's a, a if I, I've fuel. heard it's abiotic. I've you know from uh, Mr. Grimm V1. Uh, but I you know I have no evidence either way, so I, I don't know. That's, Mr. That's Grimm is one of those. Where are they? Yep. Now? <laughs> <laughs> that's how they get you by making you think that it's this rare, rare thing that can run out when in reality yeah. it's just a crock of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think Seriously. this one is far more um, of a threat to the estate. Okay, I don't think the YouTube world or the truth movement is a threat to the establishment. But if it were, it would be from exposing stuff like this, okay? The average person who just goes about their day, they work their job, they pick their kids up from sport, they don't give a stuff about the shape of the earth. They do care that they're paying $60, $70 every time they fill up a tank for fuel. You know what I mean? This, this one would be far more likely to cause the establishment problems if people worked out that they were making, what, billions of dollars every day from telling us that it's a limited commodity when really 
they're just the ones with the best access to stuff that just keeps replenishing itself. That could be a problem. Talking about the shape of the earth, I'm not so sure. But anyway, we move on to number nine. This oil is a limited and largely non-renewable uh, commodity and is running out. Well, we've kind of touched on that one. Now, this one's a good one. Ten, the earth's climate is changing dangerously due to human emission of gases like carbon dioxide and methane atom. Um, I don't believe, I believe that there's evidence to show that the planet goes through minor climate changes throughout the course and history of what, you know, we can see, but I do not think it's from, you know, carbon emissions. And I, I think that's just a scare tactic. Cathexis. Yes. I, do, I don't believe in any of that climate change. I, I kind of agree a little bit with Adam saying though, that of course there are climate shifts that occur. Uh, but I don't agree. It's man-made. Tim. Uh, well, it's patently false to begin with because really it's not even the humans doing it. Most of it, it's the, uh, animals that they eat. So, uh, giving it off as methane. So, um, no, I don't, I don't believe it. It's definitely a farce because of, uh, you know, uh, taxes and all kinds of stuff they're trying to move through. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a total scam, I believe. Okay, then. So just in summary for each of us, out of the 10, and again, by believe, I don't mean you have to prove it to anyone. I mean just the way that you, you lead your life day to day in your mind, is it true? Do you believe it to be true or likely true? How many of these 10 would you say that you believe or that you agree with, uh, roughly speaking? Just going through the 10 really quick, just take a moment now, each of you three. I know the, the answer for me is pretty obvious. But I'm curious to get the answer for each of you. How many of these 10 things of the 37 that normies believe, how many of the 10 do you believe, Adam? Oh, man, I believe I might have said yes to one of them. And that was just based upon if what they tell us, the, the uh, you know, what space is, is. So I'm pretty much going to go ahead and say almost 0%, man. I was, I was pretty much no for almost all of them. So let's just say maybe one, the, the giant spinning yeah. ball thing you seem pretty sympathetic to. So maybe one. Uh, Cathexis, I think it was just the humans sending objects into space. But even then, you're just saying you think it's possible. You yeah, probably don't really agree with any of these, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't agree with any of them. And then Tim, uh, Tim is pretty much a normie. I think he agrees with yeah. most of these things. Uh, I am, dude. <laughs> he tried. He tried real hard. I got hoaxed so much by hoaxers, man. Now I'm, I'm back to normie. All right, well, there you go. So anyone who wants to check that out, this is 37 things. No oh, and by the way, I literally do not believe in a single one of these 10 <laughs> things. And not only that, but I think I can show people with empirical or historical evidence why I don't believe in them. I used to believe in all of them, why I no longer believe in it. Because I'm not, I'm not just saying oh, I don't believe it and that's it. I'm saying, no, I went and looked at their stories. I went and looked at their scientific papers. Here's it turns out they weighed the earth with giant heavy balls in a shed. Okay. That's if you believe they can do that fine, but I don't believe this nonsense. Right. And there's a whole bunch of other things as well to do with history, health, government, and war. If you, and by the way, a lot of people in this scene, they think these 10 or especially the earth ones, they think they're the most important. Go and check out my website. This article is available for free. It's available to visitors. You don't have to be logged in to see it. The rabbit hole goes so much deeper than most people could ever imagine. So go and check it out. Oh, yeah. Go on the bond.com. 
But we've, uh, we've come towards the end of the show, guys. I don't like these to go any more than three hours, so we need to wrap this one up. So what I'll do is I've got a, a new segment I like to finish with, and it's where each member of the panel gets to go around and ask a question without notice to another member of the panel. And if it leads to a quick conversation, no problemo. If it's a short answer, no problemo. But anything that's come up that you want to double-check or just throw out there, this is your chance to do it. So, Adam, is there anyone on the panel that you would like to ask a direct question to without notice? Uh, yeah, God, I keep pronouncing his name wrong. Um, Cathexis? Yes. Um, have you changed your opinion on what you thought we were doing when you first entered this, you know, discussion to now that you've been talking with us and listened to the discussion, you've been here longer, do you now feel like it's less of us attacking and more of us just trying to debate the research that they're that they're giving us well yeah of course i didn't have a negative impression coming in i mean i just uh if you it looks like as john's kind of doing lately with this whole meta approach you know you guys right before i jumped in it seemed like you were you know saying a couple derogatory things about some some key people and and i understand why you were talking about the financial uh, stuff and you know if they are leasing people or whatever so I didn't have like a negative view or think that you guys were just that's what the whole show was. But I just wanted to kind of offer a more positive perspective on on because I view this whole thing as a net positive. But then again, that might be extremely selfish on my behalf. But, you know, for, for I guess for people who are trapped in belief and they, they don't really know why they believe what they believe, then maybe it is bad. And maybe you guys are looking out for them. You know, I can't make that determination, though. I appreciate your honesty, and I uh, appreciate you answering the question. Ah, now, this is how this segment is supposed to work. It didn't work last week, but there was one or two people on the panel who probably didn't gel very well, but this is the way I like to see it work. So, Kathixis, any questions without notice for the other members of the panel? Well, actually, John, I'd like to ask you a question. Because you do, you've been rather antagonistic. You've admitted you kind of got a kick out of trolling folks a little bit, which I don't blame <laughs> you. I, get, I go into those modes, too. And this will be a slightly technical question. You don't need to go on fully, but have you found an accurate way to measure or observe curvature in a way that you could present to another person to clear this whole thing up? No, no, I haven't. I haven't measured or witnessed or observed in any way empirically any curvature whatsoever. No. The point that I make to people is that when we're trying to come up with, because uh, you and I cannot see the entire earth. You want, no matter what we believe about the shape of the earth, we cannot go up high enough to see with our own eyes the earth. And if we're sensible people, we don't accept what we're given by the authorities, right? Which leaves us with nada. So if we're trying to come up with a model, a conceptual framework for what the earth is, then we have to go by inference, okay? So if I give you a map of, say, California, that map is not the terrain, okay? That map can help you to get from one point to another. It can help you to visualize in your mind or conceptualize what California looks like, but the map is not the terrain, just as the model is not the earth. So even if the best model or the only consistent model of earth happens to be ball or ball-shaped, it does not mean the earth is a ball. It means this is the best model we have to go by. And if we're trying to be scientific or empirical or, you know, intellectually rigorous, we've got to go with a model that is consistent, that can make predictions that turn out to be true, that mirrors what we see. 
nothing that any of the flat earthers have ever put forward even comes close to being a model by basic standards, let alone an accurate one or an internally consistent one. Whereas a ball, I think, does. A ball can explain to us the way that the stars spin in, in the night sky. It can explain to us why flights do exist. And I've taken one of those flights. I flew from Johannesburg to Perth six years ago now. So I think a ball model can explain observable phenomena. It does not mean we live on a ball. It just means that the best model is a ball. But that has nothing, like when I say the best model is a ball, that has nothing to do with curvature because I've never seen it. I've never seen curvature. And I've never, I don't, it's just that simple for me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I appreciate that, that, uh, that phrase, the map is not the terrain, is very, very important for people to understand because people do get stuck in models. Like they think the models are reality. And this is, you'll find this with the more heliocentric people around us, like Reds and all of those guys. They literally think they live in a model and they can't like step back and, and you know, see reality. Because um, my biggest issue is I've, I'm, I'm trying to find it. I live on the Gulf Coast in Florida and I've gone out here on numerous occasions and trying to observe the whole boats over the horizon issue and you know, I don't want to get fully into it, but I mean, I'm having a hard time finding what they claim the curvature that's supposed to be there because of atmospheric conditions and swells of waves, angle of attack, the, the way that we view, you know, your height of an observer. All of those things matter to how much of the boat is being obscured. On a cold, crisp day, I can see 20 miles out. On a hot, humid day, I can only see five. So is the, is the curve of the earth moving, you know, because of the temperature? I don't think so. So I'm, I'm stuck on a more practical, um, on this point of the whole issue. It's like, I don't care about models. I don't think, I think models are straw men, actually. You know, you could say, oh, here, I'm going to debunk your Gleason's map. Oh, hey, I'm going to debunk this or debunk that. But I think that's kind of straw manning it, it, to be honest. All I care about is trying to find a, any curvature that I can to measure or observe that we've gone back and studied geodesy and realized geodesy is nothing more than uh, applied mathematics. It is not this great science that determines the ball. There are six different geoids that are used currently. You know, you, it, it, so it's, it's absolutely one of the more difficult things I have ever encountered in my life. And my whole issue is if something's true, it's usually abundantly true, typically. You know, it's, it's like a rule of thumb for me. So this has just been a hard issue for me to, uh, to realize. I don't subscribe to any models. I don't know the shape of the earth. But the curvature issue, I think that if you start at square one and try to figure it out for yourself, you're going to come up to, with different conclusions than what the mainstream tells you. Well, the sun yeah, actually enough. does go that... under the curvature, just, just FYI. If you ever watch a sunset, not not on David Weiss's videos, but any other sunset ever <laughs> recorded. I hear that. Man. I hear old sunsets debunk the flatter. I hear that quite often. It's just there's so many factors that play in. I mean, the sun, by the time it's setting, is 2,800 miles away from you. There are so much atmosphere in between you and that, that object <laughs> that is absolutely impossible to know exactly for sure what's happening. I'm sorry. It's just it's too difficult. So yeah, I, I get it's because you're, you're on the from. East Coast, man. You need to come to fucking you need to come to California or something <laughs> on the West Coast and actually watch the sun go down. No, I know, see it over as, the Gulf. on the I'm ocean. No, oh, yeah, you're on the West Side. Yeah, you're on the West Side. I watch it on the Gulf. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, but I'm just saying the factors that are involved here are just too drastic for, like you said, for one individual to be able to, to determine. So this is my biggest issue right now. 
I'm not no, I understand. Look, and, and one of the things you said, like, I get what you're saying. Like, the models are a straw man, and people like Reds, they live in the models. They're, they're stuck in an abstract, immaterial framework. I fully get what mm-hmm. you're saying. At the same time, though, the people like the lobe busters, I call them lobe busters without the G at the front, <laughs> intentionally. They're trying to claim that they can scientifically prove their claims. You see what I mean? And it's like, okay, then you want to use the term scientifically. That has certain implications. Let's go with that. What science can you bring to the table? Of course, if you're going to put forward that you have a theory, then you need that model. You need the framework that can make predictions, and these people can't. That's, but if, if what you're saying to me is, no, no, let's, let's forget the models altogether and just go by what we experience, I'm completely with you. I do not experience uh, on the ground any curvature. I, I, but how could I? My eyes are limited to a few kilometers. Even if, I did, even if I actually did live on a genuine ball, not just a model ball, but a real ball, how could my eyes see that? They're not designed to do that. And they are designed. Our eyes are designed. I, sh- I should point that out. But we need to wrap this one up. Mm. So we've got Tim. Tim, any questions sure. without notice for other members on the panel? It's that upside down thinking, man. It's because you're on the bottom of the ball that you're thinking so crazy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I just really, Cathexis, um, I think that your uh, atmospheric condition swells and waves is a total kappa and a total excuse for you to keep this going on. Um, this belief uh, or this apologist attitude, um, a, a model is important in my opinion, um, mostly because it is accurate on the globe model. If you don't want to believe that the stars are trillions of miles away, um, then that's one thing, but the model is actually sound and actually does work. Um, so that is, that is a very, very important thing. And I do believe uh, you can diecast model anything. So really, like, I, I guess really Cathexis, uh, the prawn monster, what is it going to take for you to, uh, to actually realize that there is more evidence for the globe Earth than there is the flat well i do acknowledge that i absolutely do the heliocentric model is beautiful it's artwork if you really want to put it down <laughs> it matches observations beautifully you can make predictions on it it's it's sound i i'm not taking that away i i actually appreciate it so much that i've been looking into it what my whole issue is is when you go back to your primary knowledge and you're trying to determine these from the ground up and vet your secondary information, your secondary knowledge, a lot more strict. You, you're going to find that learning it from that ground up period, you get, there are issues that you're going to get stuck with. And this, this issue of curvature, is, it should not be as difficult as it is to determine. So I give way to the possibility, I'm not saying that it is, but those variables that I mentioned, the atmospheric condition, swells, waves, angle of attack, and height of observer, matter tremendously when trying to determine if when a boat is going over the horizon. So it's not erroneous to bring those up. It's not a cop-out. It's simply where I'm at in trying to figure this out myself. So like I said, I'm, the reason why I'm an apologist for this is because I think everybody should do this. They need to stop and ask themselves, am I spinning or is it those things moving? They need to ask themselves how they are going to prove to themselves that it is what the mainstream has told us. We've been lied to about a lot of things. There, we just went over a list of 10 things that we have been deceived on. Why not go further and, and, and figure this one out? 
See what I mean? Like, and it, it seems like when somebody wants to dissuade another person from doing that, that's when I get upset, and that's when I'm going to say something. Does that make no, sense? No, it's it's actually because you're in agreement that the the model actually works, and and for you to, I mean, it's basically pulling a uh, a valley girl boy or a validation boy, where you're just like, I'm a dogmatist, you know, like I, you know, no, I throw my hands no, up. This is what I believe because you're saying on no, one I'm hand, this is this is this actually works. This makes sense. And then, and then on another hand, you're like, well, you know, no, look, the I, I can't prove curve. Wait, dude, Listen, we both know we, model is not we both know that you, you have to go very high up to see curvature to begin with. So we understand the, the parameters of our world that we live in. So we have to get real with ourselves. How would we prove curvature? I don't think looking a few miles over any kind of very... Uh, very unpredictable water and atmospheric conditions can prove anything either way. I think you need to go up. And yeah. I just, you know, we, we obviously, I mean, people on the Concord said that they could see the curvature and they were no, only I've seen the footage from the Concord. It's, you can't say that. Well, the people they, always they, say that. It doesn't show that. They yeah, always say that, say, but, but if you do the math from, from 35,000 feet up, <laughs> exactly. They don't. Exactly. Come on. Look, look, I get where you're coming from, Tim, but like I said, I only give way to the possibility. I think that th these are questions worth asking, and that's why I am somebody who defends this position because I think that when people begin to – and this is why you hear so many people talking about like a spiritual awakening or whatever. It's because they're cracking their paradigm. They're learning to think for themselves instead of hand, hand uh, you know, accept what these these men in white coats are just handing. Are they though? Are they just replacing the white coats for Some people are. on YouTube? <laughs> Some you know? are. And if you want to be the, the you know the purveyor of truth and protect them, then by all means. But I think that that's an individual problem. That's on them, and people need to be asking these questions nonetheless. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, um, we'll go to our final thoughts in just a moment, and we can pick this conversation up in a future show because I'm enjoying This has been very enjoyable for me, I have to say, but we do need to wrap it up. Okay. So I'll ask my, my question without notice. Then we'll go to our final thoughts. Then we'll wrap it up. So we're almost done. But my question to all three of you on the panel, just a, a short answer, is if some of these leading flat earth proponents or the Reds rhetoric, the Helio proponents, the people who you think are, are wrong and or malicious and or nefarious, and or whatever, if they were to come out and say, look, I think I might have been misguided. Here is my opinion now based on evidence. I want to apologize to those who I misled, but uh, my intentions were good. And now from this point forward, I'm going to base everything I say on things that you can prove for yourself. I'm starting again. Would you be able to forgive them and let bygones be bygones? Or is it a case that now it's become a, like a personal thing or, or something where you could never forgive them. Uh, putting that question in a more concise sense, if people admit that they've been wrong, not that they admit that you're right, but just that they have been wrong, are you able to forgive them and, and let let them be? We'll go to Adam, then to Cathesis, then to Tim. I will wrap that up with one word, um, which obviously will give you my answer, and that is respect for people that can do that. Respect. Cathexis. Yeah, absolutely. That's really all I'm looking for, folks. You know, that type of humility. So, yeah, absolutely. Tim? Yeah, yeah. I think it would be huge. And that was kind of some of my problems that I had with Jaronism and some other people before where they were blatantly wrong, blatantly debunked by me and several others. 
and they kept the videos up and kept the money train going. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It takes balls to say that I was wrong, but good God, what if the moon was made of cheese, John? That is not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it is going to happen, but uh, I think it's important that sort of those of us who feel this way make it clear. There is nothing personal about any of this, and it's not about uh, personal vendettas or anything like that. It's a, it's a case of, well, you're wrong. I've shown you that you're wrong. You refuse to admit that you're wrong, and you're misleading people while you're doing it. So long as you keep doing that, I'm going to keep critiquing, mocking, debunking you. But the moment that you just put your hands up and say, you know what, now that I reconsider, maybe I was wrong. Hey, no problems. I don't care. We're all, we're all humans on this earth, you know what I mean? And I don't know what put us here. And no one does as far as I'm None of us, anyway, none of us peasants know how we got here. So no fellow human is my enemy. I don't have enemies here. There are just some people who are currently wrong. It's that simple. So let's go to our final thoughts then. We'll go to Adam, then to Cathexis, and then to Tim. <laughs> final thoughts for impromptu chat number nine on the, 20, no, on the 2nd of November 2016. Adam, any final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts, a little off topic, would be two things. Number one, this is something I have a pet peeve about that I try to remind people of all the time. Um, remember, everybody, the Jewish people are not a race. It's a religion, and that's indoctrination at its finest for you to believe that they are a race of people. It's a religion, not one that I have anything against, but I'm just against the indoctrination that you're led to believe or indoctrinated to feel that it's a race and number two i would just like to point out something ed always says uh something we need to talk about more it's very strange that every piece of technology has gotten better and better in the last 50 60 years except for the fact that we're still running cars off of fossil fuels and that's something that we need to dig deeper into and and ask that question more well, thanks for joining us, Adam. Make sure you stick around just for another few minutes for the after show, just to sort of decompress a little bit. We'll go to, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, some of your words. Thank you for having when me. You joined me on my, um, I did an after show after that debate. I think it was after my Jeffrey debate where you joined me and you shared your personal story. And that had an effect on me at the time. I, um, I probably didn't quite understand just how far some people had, how some, how some well-meaning, intelligent people had been sucked into the flat earth thing. Didn't quite understand the role that I had played by debunking the or by taking down the establishment story, the vacuum that I'd left. And you were one of the people who helped me see that I had more of a role to play. So I do appreciate it a lot, Adam. Make sure you stick around. We'll go to Cathexis. Yes, Thank you. Cathexis, uh, any final thoughts for your debut on the John LeBron channel? Thank you very much for joining us. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I, I've been wanting to talk to you uh, for quite a while. And thank you, Tim, for you know getting me in here. Um, but really my whole issue is that I'm quite positive at this point that we're not where they say we are. We're not who they say we are. We're not anything they say we are. And it's up to us. It's, it's, it's almost, in my eyes, the reason we're here is to discover these aspects about, I mean, we're all b- birthed into this deception. Nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody's faking it to their making. Don't believe anybody if they tell you they know what this is or what it's about. So I think that asking these questions will get you further along down that path in order to uh, discover it for yourself. Because nobody's going to be able to tell you. You have to discover this for yourself, whatever it is. So that's my biggest issue is try to figure this out for yourself. But thank you, John. I appreciate you having me on. 
Again, mate, just make sure you stick around for a couple of minutes. Uh, sure, I think it's a terrific sure, debut from you on the John LeBond channel. I think I've found uh, not quite a kindred spirit, but I think we share a lot in common. So I look forward to carrying on the conversation in future shows. And then to Tim. Tim, it was you and me, the impromptu chat number nine. A few hours ago, we said, ah, let's do a live show. And uh, I've quite enjoyed the way it's all panned out. Any final thoughts for this particular episode of impromptu chat? Yeah, it went well. I'm glad you uh, put it together. Got some uh, good stories and... <laughs> good times to remember some of those things. I have some issues uh, remembering uh, a few years back, but yeah, just thinking about some of that stuff brought some, some uh, good memories back. But um, yeah, I'm, I don't think me or John or anyone here wants to um, really exactly attack, attack flat earthers um, per se. Um, I, I just, you know, I think, <laughs> I think we're, pretty much all almost done with this conversation in, uh, in many ways. So, you know, good luck to the people that are, are continuing to try to prove it. I tried to tell Mark, uh, you know, over a year ago, it's time to shit or get off the pot. Like, you know, let's, let's get the minds together. Let's, let's actually prove it. And, um, you know, hopefully if you're in the Globusters chat or you're those people that, you know, follow these people around, maybe, maybe you can start, you know, bringing it up like for for them to actually start proving stuff instead of just you know we, we've all heard it it's all it's all been said it's all been done so i mean if you're in it for the community aspect of it i think you should try to realize uh it for yourself and once you do i think a lot will come from it because uh there's a lot of of time that can be much better spent than to uh to be squabbling over uh, you know, the shape of the earth or, or, you know, wedging yourself into communities and such. So thanks again, John. Uh, it was a good show and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, just a couple of final thoughts from me. Firstly, I've put a lot of time and effort into the website, some of which you just saw earlier in the show with that article, 37 Things Normies Believe, johnlebon.com. Go and check it out. Plenty of material there for anyone to access and in the next few days or weeks, I will be launching a members section. And we didn't get enough time to spend today talking about this topic of money for truth or what have you. Uh, the membership for my websites are not for the truth. If you want the truth, like Kathiks has said, you've got to go and find it yourself. No one can give it to you. It's kind of like we were put here to find it. So anyway, like I was saying, I won't be offering you the truth. If you sign up for a membership on the website, I will simply be offering you presentation of some of the things that I've found in my journey trying to find whatever the truth is. I think I've found some things that many people will find interesting and I think I can present it in a way that people find uh, entertaining. If they value that enough to sign up as a member, fantastic. But if not, no problem because I don't have the monopoly on the truth. Nobody does. Anyone can find it. I'm simply offering a service. And if you go and check out johnlebond.com, I think you'll agree that it is one of the very few sites that deal with these topics in the way that I do. In fact, I think it's unique. So go and check that out. But a big thanks to all three of the panel members uh, Tim Osman, all the work that he's done over the last couple of years. I haven't always agreed with his method, but I think this has come out in today's show. I think his motivations are pure. His intentions are pure to me. I've never met the man. I hope that one day I will. Huge thanks to Adam. I've already said how important I think his work has been in the past. And also to Cathesis, this might be the start of something very special. So 2nd of November 2016, huge thanks for tuning in, whether it was live or on delay on MP3. And that concludes impromptu chat number nine. 
I've got a lot more I'd like to say in review of this conversation, and I'll release further material about it in due season. For the time being, remember that you are encouraged to leave any comments, questions, and general feedback on the relevant post at johnlebond.com. Anybody can register for a free membership of that site, which also gives you access to exclusive material not released to my public YouTube channels. At the time of publishing this, impromptu chat number nine, there are seven such exclusive videos totaling several hours of content waiting for you right now. And all you need to do to access them is to register for a free membership at johnlebond.com. This scene on the internet has attracted a wide variety of people and, as the panel discussed throughout impromptu chat number nine, we're not all here for the same reasons, even if we might wish that were the case. Those of us who are genuinely interested in research, evidence and reason can't rely on others to do this research for us. That said, I'm doing my best to present what I've found to the world and my website is the hub of that work. My journey of deprogramming is only just beginning and I feel I've got a long way to go yet. I'm excited about what the future holds and I hope that you feel the same way. A big thanks once more to Tim Osman, Adam Moyer and Cathexis. To the listeners, thanks in advance for your feedback and until next time, take care of yourselves.